Nothing like a little bit of uh, Joe Cocker uh, on a uh, grey and showery day in Auckland. Uh, This is uh, Mental Health Radio. Take it from us and welcome uh, to our show. Um, In fact, our last live show was early October, so it's a treat to be back live in the studio today. I'm host uh, Sheldon Brown with technician Declan Curran, and I hope listeners have enjoyed the replays of previous broadcasts of Take It From Us over the past six weeks, and thanks very much to Planet FM for organising those while uh, Take It From Us took a little bit of a break. Yes, they had been arranged by Planet FM, uh, uh, and uh, uh, we were very uh, pleased that uh, there was a a vacuum filled uh, while I took uh, a little bit of a mental holiday. Um, Our Mental Health Radio Show uh, promotes uh, mental healthiness uh, and is brought to you and funded by Ember Wellbeing Trust. Today, in fact, we go back nine years to an award-winning broadcast, uh, which is perhaps one of our best interviews we've broadcast in uh, the past 10 years. It involves a South American refugee uh, who demonstrated great courage, resilience, commitment and tenacity and a will to not only survive against all the odds but to succeed and prosper. Her name is Esther Reedon and uh, this is her story. Today's broadcast involves uh, a guest who has conquered challenges that would flatten many of us, and I really mean that, flatten many of us. I'm sure that if I'd gone through what our guest has gone through, boy, I'd be in a lot less good shape. Um, She's grappled with mental illness, uh, financial stress, abuse, immigration uh, challenges as a refugee, and the pressures of raising three children as a solo parent. Yet her resilience shines through it all and indefatigable, that's a difficult uh, word to say, spirit that has got her through the toughest times. In fact, her story of survival, recovery and eventual success in New Zealand is one of the gutsiest I've ever heard. With three children, Esther Redden knew she just had to get through the painful time. Today, uh, she's certainly done that. Uh, She's graduated as a qualified nurse and passed her state uh, examinations after years of study. She's getting married next month and says that 2011 has been her best year ever. 
To anyone who knows Esther, that's an amazing recovery and turnaround. And one of the people uh, who has supported Esther for many, many years and has contributed greatly to that uh, amazing recovery and turnaround is in the studio today. Uh, Diane Jealous is an employment consultant with WorkFocus, uh, which is the framework supported employment service. And Diane, it's uh, great to have you in the studio supporting Esther. Thank you. Thank you for coming along. Yeah. So Esther, welcome to Take It From Us. Uh, you come from Chile. Uh, what was life like there, uh, b- you know, before you you left? Um, good afternoon and thank you for having me today. I'm a bit nervous, so <laughs> it's the first time that I am in ra- the radio. Yeah. Um, in Chile, um, it was really difficult for me, especially because I suffered from many years of domestic violence and abuse. I had two um, kids, um, which I needed to look after. And it was a really difficult decision to leave my country, especially um, leaving my family, leaving people who you love and um, the support that you have around. But I needed to um, change my life and make sure that my kids had a, a real life because it wasn't a good life there. We had people around. We have many things. We had um maybe money, but we didn't have um, safety at all. So um, we were living in like a prison and without having one. And um, I needed to change that for them. So I decided to leave my country and I didn't know where to go. How long did it take you to make that decision? It took me only, I think, a month because and a very bad event happened and my life was really at risk so I decided to make a quick decision and I escaped from my country and few so months. So uh, New Zealand uh, did you know anything about New Zealand uh, when you came here? No nothing. No. I left um, Chile to another country where I had few days to think about it and I found the farthest country from Chile and it was New Zealand. <laughs> the farthest country from New Zealand? Yeah, from, from Chile, Chile right. Yeah. yeah, well it is quite a way, isn't it? Yeah, especially because I didn't know that you needed residency to live in another country. I didn't know that you the um, this country was only English speaking mm. and I didn't speak any English at all when I arrived here. I think you told me that you could say hello and goodbye. Yeah, it was only two words. I, I never had English in my life, so... So yeah, what was it like uh, arriving at, uh, I imagine, Auckland Airport, uh, a new country with two children and a third on the way, I think, and you didn't speak any English? <clears throat> it was shocking because I didn't... Sorry, it was. It was really shocking. To, shocking. Yeah, to, right. to arrive here and not knowing anyone, especially because I had all those dreams that I had, I hoped to have a good life and, and my kids been happy, but I didn't know the reality and when I arrived it was a real shock because I didn't understand anything I didn't know what to do and I was sitting in Auckland airport I think for a day with my kids without knowing where to go really sitting in the airport for a day yeah did anyone come to talk to you and no no one so we we sit there and I was thinking about what to do next because I needed to do something and I started to look at the white pages and I found one um Latin American Association which I contact and they um, asked me to go to to meet them so I took a taxi and I arrived there and from that I started to to do my papers and, and all of that but 
It was a real hard time, especially because I didn't understand anything. I didn't know how to speak English at all. <laughs> you were able to read the white pages, though, did yeah. you? Right. I think I, only because I, I was looking for something that said Latin American. Mm. And it was the first thing that I found. So you were able to identify those two words, Latin American. Yeah. And did you get the support from that Latin American association that you sort of hoped for? Yeah. I found support and um, I've, I was there with them for a few months and after that I left and I started to live my own life because I think it's really important mm. to move away sometimes from just having normal life but I needed to do something else and my kids needed to have a proper home because there was like a refugee or mm. um, place where many people from different countries come so... How was your level of independence? I mean, uh, you know, to do this, uh, it sounds as though you'd need to be very independent and pretty together. Mm, that was one of the big things. I think I grew up so much when I arrived here because in my country I never had that. I was, I think I was 24 when I learned to take the first bus. I was so dependent on my parents all my life and I didn't know what to do without them. But here I didn't have anyone and I had two kids that I needed to be f that I needed to feed, that I needed to have clothes, that I needed to have a house and everything. So I didn't think about anything. I just was every day I was doing things to keep them alive and right. to keep us well. I mean, some people might have got very, very scared and panicky and, and not able to speak the language. And But it sounds as though you sort of settled into that uh, independence fairly quickly. Yeah, but I was hard. I was always panicking. And I was sometimes in my room crying and without my kids knowing what was happening but I needed to be strong for them mm. and I was carrying with me at all times a dictionary, a Spanish and English dictionary and I used to go to the supermarket and everywhere with that because I never had anyone to support me so I needed to do those things by myself and um, and I was trying to to talk to people just with the dictionary and saying can you understand me mm. you know mm. I, at least and showing them what I try to say because sometimes you can say things but they don't understand the meaning mm -hmm. so it was quite difficult but I always try my best. Did people come up to you and help you buy things in the supermarket and support you? Or yeah. yeah yeah they used to explain to me things about you know the food and because it's, it's really different especially in you know with another language so yeah, yeah. They, I always receive support from people. So well, what did you do first uh, in, as, as part of your survival plan? Um, I'm, I started to work in cleaning and I, it was really um, new for me. And uh, when my daughters were in school, I was working. And after that, I decided to join because of my experience looking after my mom for many years in Chile with cancer and um, termina terminally ill. Um, so I was um, hoping to join at that time like a caregiving job mm. in um, a rest home. So I did that and I applied for a, to join um, a rest home. And it was, I always remember that was the, f the only job that I had. But I, I used to work many, many hours there from 7 in the morning to 11 p.m. So it was really hard to be able to survive. And at that time, I was having always problem with my immigration paper. So I needed to start to pay for, for those things and fighting to, to, to be here. 
and uh, that involved <coughs> uh, employing a legal help and uh, running up some big debts uh, to to support your uh, application to stay in New Zealand. Yeah, it took. Yeah, it was really expensive, and and it was just bad news at all times because it didn't. My application didn't go through, and it was always declined, and. Um, I could, it was a really difficult time because I was, at that moment, I had a third baby and I started to suffer from mental illness. So it was, um, it was a real, real, real um, hard time for me. Well, it's, it's quite a coincidence, actually, because we, we met uh, yesterday for coffee and a bit of a chat, a bit of a briefing uh, for this radio show. And when I got back, I was sent something to say that it's Postnatal Depression Awareness Week this week, from the 13th to the 19th of November. Mm-hmm. And I believe that postnatal depression was, was, was sort of the what um, in, instigated your mental illness. Yeah. Um, while I was pregnant, I started to suffer from from depression and when my baby was born I suffer from postnatal depression and it wasn't just for a few days and it wasn't for a few months it was for many years it was three or four years that I was with um, this big depression I suffered from psychosis and from panicking attacks anxiety disorder and many things so it was a combination of symptoms but also a combination of illness I think because um, it wasn't only one thing it was many things and with um, all the life difficulties it was harder to to get through but i was um just there fighting at all times but as i said before i was trying to work i was trying to survive and sometimes i didn't have that hope at all uh, well, you know, it sounds as though it would have been tough enough um, without the postnatal depression and the psychosis and, uh, you know, the panic attacks. That must have just about crippled you. Yeah, it was hard. And, and I always remember those times and they, they were really scary because I used to hide in my room with, by myself mm-hmm. because my kids didn't... Um, I, I didn't want them to know what was going on. So I was always um, really strong in front of them because they needed that. We didn't have anyone right. to to support us. So I needed to be that person. I needed to be the mother and the father and the worker yeah. and everyone. All those uh, roles that, uh, you know, some of us only take on one or two of those roles, but you took them on uh, more than uh, more than just being a mother and maybe a worker. Um, and in the face of, uh, of mental illness as well. Yeah. yeah. I was, yeah and, and when I think about those times, I never think about someone who is brave or things like that. I think I needed to, to, to do that. Well, we're going to take our first music break and give Esther a bit of a break. And uh, Braden is on the board today, so he can uh, introduce this first track. Thanks, Sheldon. Well, this track is uh, by a lady called Delta Goodrum. It was co-written with her fiancé, Brian McFadden. The song's been noted to be about overcoming life's obstacles. And uh, Delta said it's about constant perseverance. It shows you can overcome anything in life as long as you have a strong belief in yourself. The song is called Believe Again and it's by an Aussie artist, Delta Goodrum.
Well, that's uh, Believe Again by uh, Delta Goodwin. And uh, as Brayden said when he introduced uh, that track, it's about constant perseverance. Does that ring a bell with you, uh, Esther? Constant perseverance? Yes. <laughs> You've had to constantly persevere? Yeah, I had. I had to. Yeah. And I think I, I will always. There's something that is with me and it sits with me. But you're describing 2011 as your best year yet and there's some great news about getting married next month and uh, uh, you've finished your, well, not exactly finished your studies but you've graduated as a nurse and done the national... um, uh, State exams. State exams. But you've got some plans to carry on studying too. Yeah, um, 2011 has been great. It was really hard in the beginning because... um, working full-time and studying full-time, which I did for four years and a half, it was really tough, but um, I needed to do it because I still carry on some debts from my immigration paper, so I think it will be until two more years that I will finish to paying off that money. But I needed to work in um, full-time to provide um, food and housing for my kids, and I needed to study also full time to have a better future for us. So I finish in on the fourth of August. I graduate and that day, and that's the fourth of August, two thousand and eleven. Right. So I finish my um, my clinical practice in one of the um, inpatient units during June, and I um, finish all my papers at uni in July, and I. Graduated on the fourth of August, and on the nineteenth of August, I received my um, state exams um, results, which I passed. How so did you feel about uh, receiving uh, that uh, information? It was amazing. It was something you can be qualified as a nurse and have a degree, but have been a registered nurse is totally different. So it was something that I needed to accomplish, and um, when I got that, it was amazing, and. It's been really a really amazing um, year. So after that, I met my husband to be, and we um, I know him since he was little, and we just reunited on that day. It was the same day that I received my estate exam. Oh, wonderful! So that was uh, a double uh, double whammy. Good news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you say that you knew him uh, when you were very young in Chile, when you went to school, yeah. No, no, when I went to school, I used to live in a really um, small countryside in my in Chile, mm. and I used to spend all my summers there in part of the year. So it was since I was born. My whole family is from there. And he comes from the same place, so I knew him when he was around 12, 13. So we, I used to see him at all times during those years, mm. but I never knew that he was here in New Zealand, so he's been here for seven years and i've been here for 10 years and i never met him Ah, and how did you come to meet i (laughs) went to a latin american club and to celebrate my state exams and i met him that day over there so i yeah yeah well so when were you introduced to the support that framework and diane who's uh, in the studio with us when were you introduced to that support I was introduced to um, that after joining, being with a transcultural um, psychotherapy from um, Cornwall House. And um, Diane was asked by them to support me during my um, mental illness, mm-hmm. which um, I came above or 
I recover. I don't think that I will ever recover because it's, it's a life journey. But I will. Um, but without her, I wouldn't be here today. So she was the only person who believed in me. So uh, Diane sort of held the hope uh, for you that uh, you had lost uh, in those really dark days. Yeah, it was the only person who was there for me. And it, it wasn't just once a month or once a week, it was every day. Yeah, and uh, you've given Diane an invitation to your wedding today yeah. and uh, <laughs> that uh, demonstrates how close the two of you are over, yeah. what, how many years has it been? Oh, it was when we met, it was in 2004. So it's been many, seven, many years, seven, seven years. years since. And she supported me for maybe until 2010. So it was always there. Even when she was in my community support worker, she was always there for me. Right. And the day that I graduated, she was there also for me. And it was like, she's more than just a support person. She's part of me. Part of you yeah. and, a, and a good friend. Yeah, she's an amazing friend. Without her, I wouldn't be here because I used to, when I joined my studies and when I decided to overcome mental illness, because you have to make a decision. And um, I used to go with her everywhere and everyone used to say to me, you won't be able to study ever. Your English is not good. You can't do that. Also, you suffer from mental illness. And she was always there and she was like, no, you can do it. And I, mm. I believe in you. You can do it. And she was always there for me at all times, even if it was night, day, any time. So I, everything that I have now, I know is because of her, even when she doesn't think that. Mm. Right. It brings tears to my eyes when she talks like that. I'm sure it does. <laughs> yeah. you, you said that you had to make a decision. You had to make a conscious decision to recover from your mental illnesses. Did I, do I understand that correctly? Yeah. I yeah. needed to make a decision because at that time everything was dark. And I, it wasn't only my mental illness, but it was a lot of discrimination, stigma, but also was my papers. I wasn't safe anywhere. I didn't know even when I loved New Zealand and I felt it was my home, I didn't know if I was going to be here. Mm. I didn't know if my kids were going to be here, which it was really tough because they loved New Zealand mm. and we love New Zealand really. So and the whole family was falling in love with New Zealand, but you had this big question mark mm. as to whether you would uh, get a, a, approval from the immigration uh, people, authorities, to be able to stay here. Yeah. Right. So it was really hard and tough times, and um, we were keep receiving bad news about our papers, and we needed to leave the country, so they just um, sent the last letter saying that we needed to leave the country, which... I decided to fight for, and um, Diane helped me w through these um, times always. And um, we collect a lot of support letters, and we um, talked to my lawyer, which um, also helped me a lot. And we decided to fight that. And finally, in 2006, and on the 26th of October, I received my residency. The 26th of October, what year was that? 2006. Ah. It was on humanitarian grounds. On, on humanitarian grounds, right. So, you know, I mean, that um, challenge on its own is, is enough to, um, you know, really upset and disturb uh, many people. But you, you were also um, grappling with your mental illness as well. Yeah. And um, 
it was always like that. There was like every day it was a new problem, or every week when I was seeing the light. Finally, it was just clearing out. It was something else that happened, and it was always my life like that since I was in Chile. Mm. So it was one problem to another that I needed to fight, and and that is what I said. If it wasn't for the young that was next to me, I wouldn't be here today. So your children kept you going, yeah. Um, but there must have been some positive messages that you you sent to yourself um, to overcome these issues and challenges that kept on cropping up all the time. Yeah, it was, I think, a part of me that used to talk to myself and it used to say, you know, you need to do this. You have kids. You have. You decided to be a mother and it's your responsibility to keep them going. But also for myself, I deserve to be happy. So it was one of the things that I learned through the years when I suffered from mental illness that I deserve it to be happy. That it wasn't just about living it was about being happy you mentioned uh, discrimination and stigma and of course uh, take it from us is uh, its goal is to try and reduce discrimination and stigma did, did that discrimination occur uh, because of your mental illness or did it occur because of your english and you were a refugee and discriminated against because of that I think it was a combination. I think people still don't understand really about mental illness and they think more of a disability rather than um, something that you have to live with and learn to live with. Mm-hmm. And it's not about, for me, mental illness is not a disab- disability at all. Mental illness for me is something that enabled me to be who I am today. I am really proud of what um, is happening to me, but I'm really proud of say that I had live experience in mental illness. So you, you actually describe yourself as an ex-psychiatric uh, uh, patient? Yeah. That uh, is one of the things that I always describe myself because I think people think that when you describe um, having um, a live experience in mental illness, people think, oh, you are an ex-psychiatric patient. In language meta, how you say things and how you refer to people matters. And um, for me, listening to some people which um, talk about mental illness was always about ex-psychiatric patients or psychiatric patients and for me I'm really proud of who I am and for me being an ex-psychiatric patient is who made me the person that I am today. Well you're an ambassador for recovery aren't you and and an amazing ambassador because you've not only conquered the uh, challenge of mental illness, but but you've had all these other uh, challenges that uh, you had to surmount, overcome at the same time. I mean, it, it could have become a, a hugely vicious spiral that took you down very quickly. Yeah, and it and it did uh, in the beginning because I didn't um, know what to do. But I was, as I said before, with Diane next to me and always telling me, you know, believing in myself, and she was believing in myself more than me, it gave me that. I think support is really important, and what was one of the things that I was missing here in New Zealand, because I didn't have anyone. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I had the, I was the luckiest person to meet Diane, and 
she's been always there for me. And I know that she will be there for me always. Mm. Well, that's a wonderful recommendation for Diane's work and the Frameworks, <laughs> uh, framework is, support yes. um, yeah. in terms of uh, Diane being both a community support worker and now an employment uh, consultant with uh, Work Focus. Well, we'll uh, take another uh, music break. And, Braden, uh, what, uh, what are you going to surprise us with this time? Well, I was just actually thinking that track we had before, Believe Again, Listen to Esther saying about believing. I couldn't have got a more appropriate one. Uh, from the same artist, Delta Goodwin again, I've got a song called In This Life. And she actually writes that it reaffirms new beginnings, celebrates perseverance and rejoices in moving forward. It's about the journey you go through on this life and accepting what life throws at you, growing from the experiences and concentrating on the positives in life.
Uh, this is uh, Take It From Us Live, and we're talking to uh, Esther Reedon, whose uh, story, uh, well, I think, as I said, uh, she's conquered uh, many challenges that would flatten uh, many of us. Uh, so it's been uh, quite an insight and revelation. I, I'm just interested, Esther, that decision that you made, that conscious decision that you made, if you like, to, to challenge your mental illness and, and, and recover, did you notice quite quickly that that changed uh, your attitude and your your feelings yeah i um i was always um thinking about my mental illness because it was something that hit me in a really bad time and it wasn't just as i said before for a few days a few months it was for a long time and i i needed to do something and after seeing my kids and they were really strong and they were always fighting with me I decided one day it said that I needed to overcome that, that I needed to change that and seeing the positive rather than negative because I was always focused on the, on the negative and never on the positive. And since that day, I changed that and I decided to see all the positive in everything rather than the negative, even in myself. And I needed to believe in myself. But listening to your story, uh, you know, like there was a fair amount of negative things happening. I mean, there was your mental illness, you were having to care for your children, there was uh, learning English, there was studying, there was work, there was the immigration authorities, there was the debt that you were running up uh, for your legal bills and fighting immigration authorities. Uh, you know, all of us need a little bit of light at times. And uh, uh, But it, it sounds as though that decision to to sort of really focus on the positive and to, if you like, conquer your mental illness made a big difference. It was part of that turnaround. Yeah, it was because um, it was really dark and it's really scary, especially when you are in, in a place where you don't know many people, you don't have your family. But I always remember my mum, she was always a survivor and she always fights for so long, even when, when she was really ill. And... I used to look at my kids when they were sleeping and I used to um, see them how, you know, how well they were doing in a school and all those things made me um, realize that I needed to do something and I needed to focus on them. Mm -hmm. They've been my um, foundation always. They've been always there for me, even those times where sometimes I, I was crying, I didn't know what to do. I had many times of those when also I was studying because it's really hard when you don't speak English as your first language and you needed to work double to accomplish everything but they were always there with me and they were always mom you can do it just relax and we will be here some days we didn't sleep the three of us we were all night up writing up you know, they were help, helping me with the coffin while I was writing my assignments or my work or anything like that. And the support that I received from them was amazing. And so it was quite a team effort. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have uh, Diane Jealous, uh, who is the employment consultant from WorkFocus. Uh, listening to the story, Diane, are you proud of uh, Esther and what she's achieved? Oh, yes, I certainly am. You know, I'm just so privileged to be here and I'm so happy to, to, to see that you're getting married and, and how you've come about to meet your future husband. It's absolutely amazing. So it's like just one of those things. And it's interesting just listening to Esther, it's sort of taking me down memory lane to the times when, you know, I first got to know you as a community support worker. 
and how difficult it was for you because the times when she would just be sort of uh, at home and just sort of saying, I'm just totally lost, you know, she just didn't know where to go or what to do. And it was a, a challenge for me to, to, to support you because it was like going one step forward and there was always two or three steps back, you know. And What uh, do you do when, uh, you know, a client says, I'm totally lost? I mean, it must just about take your feet out, your legs out from under you. Well, it does, you know, and, and I just look at all the positives because I really did believe in Esther. There was just something in her, I think it was her resilience and her... Um, her inner strength and just knowing her story and I just sort of sort of felt felt that connection in her and perhaps believed in her and I knew that you know you're here for a reason you know you're going through all this but there is a better life you know just hang in there and I think helping me to help her to believe in herself to see the positives. Well she made it very clear Esther made it very clear yesterday that uh, that you held the hope for her in in those really dark days so Mm. I think that uh, you can take a lot of uh, credit uh, out of this recovery. Well, I'm really very humbled, actually. Yeah, very humbled, yeah. Yeah, so, um, Esther, is it, you've got a, this big event coming up, which is uh, which is positive. You think now that uh, the positives are outweighing the negatives in, a, in quite a big way? Yeah, but I think it, life has always have some negative and, and few maybe small things but you have to concentrate on the positive you know i've been privileged to have many people in my life who teach me things every day like diane my kids and also the work that i do and um i work in a place where people matter and we focus on that we help in the community but also we concentrated in um who we are and people is the first thing that we take care of and we think about it well, we need to explain that you work for Lifeline, uh, yeah. that uh, you have uh, a, um, an acting role there at the moment because there's a restructuring going on, but you might like to just confirm to our listeners what your role at Lifeline is. Yeah, um, in Lifeline I have two roles. I am the team leader of the Warm Line, which is a peer support helpline for people who suffer from mental illness for ADHD. And also at the moment I am in the interim um, role of the counselling and support room manager. So I'm in charge of all operational and clinical part of the organisation, supporting people who are um, in the counselling and support centre, the helpline call centre. And um, so it's something that has, I've been doing for a few months and I hope that I will be doing for, for longer. It's, I really love the place where I work and the people who who work with me. We have an amazing team. We have amazing people there. And also, um, the, what I said to you yesterday, one of the things that makes me happy and, and makes me believe in where I work and the work that I do is that they care about people. You know, they all they care about the community because we need to be there for people who need us, but they are always caring about the people who work there. We have people who volunteer there, we have many volunteers, and we have people who are pay staff, but all of us are the same for um, for the management team or for the leadership team, and it's something really important. In your nursing studies, of course, you've specialised in mental health, and, uh, I, you know, it, I guess it's is that uh, a coincidence, or is that was that a deliberate uh, path that you wanted to take? 
I always thought about doing mental health because I really loved it. And but while I was studying during the the years, um, I had the opportunity to choose between different. And when I had um, joining the, I joined some of the wards in um, in the hospital. Um, even though I did a great job and I had a great feedback, they were like, "You should be doing this, you know, um, surgical nursing or um, other nursing." I didn't. It didn't feel there was me. I couldn't sit with someone and talk to them about what was going on or at least be there for them. It was more task-orientated, and I never felt that my heart was happy. In that surgical nursing that, role, yeah. right? But when I was in um, the inpatient units, even though when I was in always, I had the opportunity to work with um, intensive care units and with people who were really acute, my heart felt really happy. I didn't even want to leave that place. It was the connection that I felt with the people. Oh, that's uh, that's fabulous. And you, you're actually going on to do a, a postgraduate, is it? Postgraduate? Yeah. I, I graduate as a comprehensive nurse in, um, in New Zealand where I can work in any field, but I specialised the last year with my practical and mental, and mental health. I work in the inpatient units in Auckland area. But um, next year I'm doing the postgraduate in mental or psychiatric nursing or mental mental health. Well, we're just going to take a break from uh, that uh, interview. Uh, so we're back uh, in the studio live. Uh, I'm host uh, Sheldon Brown. There's a couple of things that need to be corrected uh, after nine years. Obviously, Framework uh, is no longer in existence. It merged uh, with Connect to form Ember um, Ember services limited uh work focus is now called ember employment and a small uh, bit of interest is that Braden has changed his name uh to uh, declan but it shows uh, how long uh declan has made a commitment to uh, mental health radio take it from us uh some lovely messages uh, i think uh, coming from uh, our guest esther reedon who we interviewed way back in 2011 and she said how important it is to constantly persevere with one's mental health. Uh, it's very important to have a strong belief in ourself, um, to see the positive uh, and not the negative, and uh, really to make a conscious decision about our mental health. And from that, I, I took that, uh, you know, it's necessary to make a conscious conscious decision uh, to be positive and uh, to manage our mental health. Um, Esther said that uh, mental health is a life journey and certainly uh, that's my experience at the moment. Uh, I've had um, six weeks uh, and a previous period uh, of about five weeks so uh, in all about several months um, so I'm very yeah. much You've thinking about it. You've had a pretty bad year haven't you really? <laughs> well you a, lot of people, a lot of people have had a bad year in 2020 so I, mm. I'm not the only one but I'm not uh, saying, are you saying Declan I'm, that you were back? Um, yeah 
Well, um, yeah, we're ready to go. I was just going to say, I'm not saying Happy New Year to anybody this coming year because I'm yet to find a year where we're happy all the way through. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sure, but I think 2021 is shaping up to be certainly a lot better than 2020. So we'll go back to this interview with Esther Reden, which was first uh, broadcast in 2011. It was an award-winning show, and we've got about another um, probably 60 minutes. Roughly. Back. So uh, today we are talking to Esther Reedon um, about her challenges in life and we've got uh, Diane Jealous here as well. But uh, Esther, I'd like to know how do you look after yourself today and uh, and uh, look after your mental well-being? I do a lot of things for myself. Um, I look after myself by swimming. I love swimming. I spend a lot of time with my husband-to-be, which is a real gift in my life. Um, He's just wonderful and he's always there for me. And I spend a lot of time with my kids. Uh, Having a family time for me is really important, something that we missed for a long time because it was really difficult times and I needed to work many, many hours to survive here and they needed to study and be at home. Now we have time to enjoy and to have some time for ourselves. We also, um, I also take care of myself by just doing a small things, maybe going to have a manicure or a day off or enjoy a walk in the beach, something that I, I've been doing for many years. I Sometimes when I'm a bit stressed or I know that I can be unwell, I will go for a walk or I will sit in front of the beach and have a coffee and just listen to the water, nothing right, else. Right. So you, you know the warning signs if um, maybe if you're feeling a bit anxious uh, or a little bit panicky or whatever, you, you can identify those warning signs and, and take some positive uh, action? Yeah, I can identify and I also know that stress is one of my biggest um, warning signs. So if I am too stressed, I will be unwell. And when I start to recognize that, I start to to leave things and I I do a lot of positive thinking to myself like CVT <laughs> I I energize myself and I just say everything will be alright and just focus on one thing at that time and that helped me a lot because I used to think about everything and every problem that I used to have mm-hmm. where now I leave it and if something will happen it will happen depending on me or not. No point in worrying about no. what might happen in the no. future. There's no point at all. So what is your philosophy in terms of every day uh, now? Taking one day at a time and enjoying, enjoying life. If I'm here, it's because of a reason. And I have to enjoy my life, which I'm doing every day. And I've been doing for many, many years now. Uh, And wasted effort to think about the future and worrying about what might happen tomorrow. Yeah, it is. It's a waste of time. Yeah. Um, So do you have any views of... You know, those past years when times were pretty dark? Yeah, I always remember those days. But one of the things is, as I said before, I don't feel brave or that maybe if it needed to happen again, I will fight anyway like that. But I think it is about um, seeing that something that needed to happen to my life to be who I am today. It's the same thing that I say with my mental illness. I'm really proud of that. I'm really happy that I experienced mental illness because it made me the person mm. that I am today. Mm. So 
it doesn't make me shy or be ashamed of what I had or what I suffered. No, I'm really, really proud of that. And I'm really proud that I had all the experience that I had. So how, how do you think that's helped you grow as a person? It helped me grow a lot because um, actually I learned many things about myself that I didn't know. And now I'm aware also that I need to take care of myself. You know, that it's not about taking care of others or thinking about others. You have to think about yourself first. If you are not taking care of yourself, no one will do, it, will do that. Will do it for you. Yeah. And then when you have uh, youngest children or children that are growing up, um, well, it, it, you know, you were their anchor, really, weren't you, and their provider, and uh, that was a big responsibility just to survive for, yeah. them, for them. Especially because um, I was the mother, the father, the uncle, the grandmother, the everyone, even the friend, because I, I needed to be. But, uh, yeah, I needed to, to be there for them. They've been always there for me. Now they are an amazing um, young people. I have my daughter who is in, at university at the time and she just finished one of her first certificate and she's nearly 19. My mm. second one, she's doing amazingly in high school in a very top level class and she's nearly 16 and my youngest boy is nearly 8. Right, so they've inherited some of the uh, very good qualities of their mother. Hopefully, yeah. No, yes. <laughs> Resilience. They, they, are, they are stronger than me and they are my inspiration every day. I always um, look at them every morning, sometimes when they are sleeping and it's just they are my life. Mm. If there was one message uh, to anyone experiencing bad times, uh, what, what would it be for, for those people today who might be listening uh, who's life is maybe a bit dark at the moment I think um, for each person it's different but it's about never losing the hope even I know it's hard and we don't know what is happening to others we don't know how hard it is you know, maybe some people they don't have anything or anyone, and we just make assumptions about people. But one of the things that I ha- I learn is about believing, and I think people need to believe and love themselves. Mm. If they do that and they just concentrate on the positive, they can overcome anything. So it's be- love believing in oneself, yeah. having hope, having hope, and never losing that hope, and being uh, being positive positive right rather than the negative because as human beings we always concentrate in the negative it's the first thing that comes to our minds yeah and when we're mentally unwell it, uh, you know the depression can just uh, cause our thoughts to be more negative than necessary yeah and it's just about that about concentrating on the positive and and I'm not saying it's easy it takes a lot of you to do that but yeah. you can do it well, Diane, you've got the invitation to the big event uh, next month. I that's going to be have. that's going to be a, a thrill for you. Oh, it certainly is. Yes, I'm just sort of thinking now. You know, in Esther's dark days there, you know, before she got her citizenship, and you know, on humanitarian grounds, and she always said, if I could, if because she had belief in in, in in a in a Catholic belief and in God, and she said that if ever I could stay in New Zealand I want to give back and do something positive to the community you know and she always said that she'd like to get into nursing because she helped her mother when she was ill and and 
And I think she must have put that intent out there because as time went on, she was fortunate enough to get the scholarship through Forrester Groot at Framework for the first two years to kickstart her into, into study. And I think that these are just, you know, little intersections in life where you come along and, and help us there. And she was there to, to pick up on that mm-hmm. and to see at the graduation, you know, two or three months ago with her children. And they're all just blossoming. You know, to know how they were all those years ago, they were so totally lost. But now yeah. that they were just blossoming, uh, beautiful individuals, and and no, she's really lovely. She's a beautiful person. Well, it's and a I'm proud it's a, and privileged to know her. Wonderful story uh, of recovery and being an ambassador for overcoming um, mental health issues. Thank you, Esther, and thank you, Diane, uh, for contributing to take it from us today. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, it was a great privilege to have both Diane Jealous and uh, Esther Reedon in the Planet FM studio talking to Take It From Us. We're back in the studio live uh, just to wrap up our show for today. Um, I must say that Diane Jealous supported uh, the Wellness Recovery Action Plan planning that I was involved with. Uh, She brought a lot of her own clients along and she uh, stayed with them during that eight-week course every time that Diane introduced uh, her clients uh, to the Wellness Recovery Action Planning um, Program. Yes, there's some wonderful messages there from uh, that guest, Esther. Uh, never losing hope, uh, believing and loving uh, oneself, uh, having a strong belief in oneself. And uh, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, our mental health can undermine that. And uh, it's very important to just remind ourselves. That was that was one of my favourite uh, interviews and hence why I managed to dig it up because it was just so unique. But I just wanted to chuck in there where Esther had said about um, you got to look after yourself first and the first thing came to mind was when you're on a plane and you need to put your own mask on first before someone else's, you know. You've she said to, look after yourself you've first You've got to put the oxygen mask on, not yeah. the COVID-19 mask. Oh, probably both now. Yeah, so I just want to mention that the Ember Touch Tournament, uh, it's an annual event. Uh, it will be on Wednesday, December the 2nd. Uh, that's Wednesday week at Cox's Bay Reserve, uh, kicking off at 10. Uh, be there, please, for uh, 9.30 for a briefing and even earlier if you can. Um, uh, I'm just in the background in terms of uh, uh, promoting it here on uh, Take It From Us. Uh, but that's the Ember Touch Tournament at Cox's Bay, Wednesday, December 2. And uh, Declan is uh, indicating to me that we still have a minute to go. Uh, So um, it's very important when we're uh, addressing our mental health to constantly persevere with it. Um, uh, That's something that I have uh, had to be uh, doing over the last, uh, well, probably almost six months uh, now um, since... uh, uh, I took a bit of a dive uh, and so I've learned a great deal from Esther in terms of her positive attitude to um, I think challenges uh, and it's very very important for us not to give up but to 
continue to strongly believe in ourselves. Um, Declan, have you got any further comment about the interview? I'm just, well, I was just going to say it's good to have you back again because I was a bit concerned with you having the time and keeping contact and that sort of thing because, yeah, it's not easy from the outside looking in knowing what do I do, you know? (laughs) Well, it's not your responsibility, I don't think. It's uh, That's another thing. Personal responsibility in our mental health is uh, so important too. But uh, that's been taken from us, Mental Health Radio on Planet FM. And uh, Declan, thank you very much for the no work worries. you did. No worries. We'll catch you all next week. Go and get some sun. Uh, nice nice day. <laughs> How in the world do you think anybody's supposed to run?